Hey! 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 Yeah! I haven't done that for a while. Mm. We are recording. Everything's working well. We're all lift off. Got a red light. Nice. Yes, the red light is on there, all lighting up. That's good news. Good news, good news. So, I gather you did something exciting this weekend. <laughs> which was a very, very poor introduction because it was with your daughter. <laughs> now, I'm not going to start going down here. <laughs> I just want to say it was very exciting and it involved some uh, 11-year-olds. <laughs> mm. But you shouldn't say that, really. Mm. So, you did some VR stuff. Yes. You were just telling me about it, and I went, yes. let's go to record, because this is cool. Yes. So my daughter turned 11 uh, last week. and Does then that make you feel old? Yes. Very. <laughs> <laughs> very old. Um, and for her birthday, we went to a VR playground. VR playground. Yes. So they did some mini games. They did some uh, that, that typical walk of the plank on top of the apartment building, and then you fall down. That was very hilarious to see everyone do that. Mm. Uh, because for most of them, it was their first VR experience. The, okay. So, and that was the first thing they needed to do. So that was very, very, very funny to watch them I do can that. Imagine. And then we also did like one bigger game together. And then we had to do some assignments and somebody was the mole in the organization and they had to sabotage everything. That was, that was a lot of fun to do that with a bunch of 11-year-olds. And, they, were, and a lot of these had never used VR before, exactly. you said. Exactly, yes, yes. So my daughter used my VR headset a few times already, but the other ones never used it before. So there was this guy in the game telling us the assignment, what we needed to do, which was actually really cool. We had to step inside of a cage that was carried by a helicopter into a bank, and we needed to steal some coins and stuff like that. It was really, really, really fun to do. But of course, these are... 11-year-old girls. girls. So they were like, oh, look at my feet. Oh, look at my hand. How does my hair look? And I was like, shh, this guy's telling us our assignment. He's telling us what to do. Yeah, but we just want to do high fives. And, uh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Listen to the guy so we know what we need you to mean do. You were the adult for once? I was. That I was. was unusual for you. <laughs> I know. And even after the game, the, the, the host was uh, coming up to me and he said, like, it was really good that you were there. Otherwise, this would have been such a Disaster. So they don't normally have them this young, then? No, I, I think it's, uh, it's 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 it starts at twelve, I think. Okay, but so it, it was it, <laughs> if I wasn't there, it was one big shit show. <laughs> it <laughs> I was, was so much. I was, fun. You talk about being an adult, but I was hearing stories about you dancing at the uh, European SharePoint conference with a tie wrapped around your head yesterday. Yes, I was. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> exactly. What, what, what were you trying to be out of interest, or can't you? Remember? Oh, I just had a tie on because i somehow picked up that it was gonna be like a very decent formal event, formal event. that's probably from kevin because he was wearing his velvet jacket i yes. saw yeah. yeah yeah he was wearing these uh, christmas ju- uh, yeah. suits so that was brilliant um uh, but then we were dancing and i had that tie on it was very warm so i had to get rid of it so i yeah so you put it around your head yeah just to hold the hair out of your eyes exactly exactly yes <laughs> the stories get around don't they Oh, the stories no. go around. Yeah. Okay, so we want to go back to our classic innovative idea mm-hmm. of baseline governance. Yes. This 2023 is the year of Yammer. I mean the year of uh, baseline it's governance. It's a very old joke. I think you've been saying that now for three years running. <sighs> I know, but every year is the year, year of, of Yammer. Yammer. It's now the year of Engage. Probably, yeah. It's the year yeah. of Engage. I think so. Which is Yammer. 
Do you feel engaged yet? Do you feel yammered? <laughs> mm. <laughs> we might be able to, because we've already had a taste of a, an old classic whiskey of ours, mm. which was called... Le French Le Pertuis. Le Pertuis, yeah, from mm-hmm. the island of Ra, Ray? Ray. Ile de Ray, yes. Ile de Ray, yes. yeah. And mm. we zipped it, and then we just immediately looked at each other and said, like, oh, this is such a good whiskey. Hasn't changed, oh, hasn't changed. So good. So we want to talk about baseline governance. And the reason we're doing that, of course, is that our new practical workshop that we're touring around with this year is going to be based on governance Yeah. Uh, after our successful adoption workshop. Mm-hmm. So uh, you'll be hearing about that as we move on. So this got kind of exciting. Um, and we thought we'd try and be a little practical and come up with a number of rules that help you and guide you towards baseline governance. Yes, exactly. Because it's so complicated that people need baseline rules to define baseline governance. <laughs> yes. Actually. It's actually very no, true. No, because you, you would think that we, we were explaining baseline governance in, in a number of episodes. 100 live uh, and definitely I, that one but and also, you had to shoot me down because i was making baseline government complex yes but then we actually said you just choose like a few things that you want to tackle first and then leave the rest for later so that you can already start yep. delivering value but it, it that just makes it seem like it's just lazy governance like just that do, is a do great the first word things. for it. Yeah. It is lazy governance. Just do, do two things and then you're set Done. for six months. Yeah, and but it's not really true, of course. No, exactly. So we kind of want to um, explain that a little bit yep. and also explain the work that you need to do when you want to do baseline governance. And give you some guidelines on how you can sort of move on and, and yes. what to expect from it. That's true. Yeah. It started and off as we were working through some of the modules for the for the course, of course, mm-hmm. and I came up with five tests yeah. that you could then test that you uh, this was a good baseline governance definition. Mm-hmm. So that's what we based a lot of these on as we move forward. Yeah, exactly. And I this, thought you were going to say something earlier. And I was going to say something but profound now you're old, you and forgot. intellectual, but of course I forgot. You'll remember when we've finished. Mm-hmm. All right, so five rules. We have five areas, really. We've got more than a few rules in each one, but we want to break each one down. Otherwise, this will be a very short podcast. Um, means we can just start drinking whiskey. I fast. know, but we have to resist. You know what mm. your uh, alcoholic counselor said? <laughs> <laughs> try to resist <laughs> all right so rule number one for baseline governance yes so our first rule for baseline governance is focus on the two biggest requirements which is kind of what we've always been saying it this is, is yes. what baseline governance is hits the things that are important to you exactly or important to your organization yeah. Or important to controlling your application, whichever you, you're applying it to. Yeah. So we often talk about MS Teams because that's their thing. I guess it's everybody's thing nowadays, isn't it, to be honest? Is um, it still but, everyone's thing? Because I feel with the whole C area in our life, we kind of pass Teams now. That Everyone's using Teams. Everyone in the world is using Teams right now. Really? Maybe not, but... So you think you're ready for retirement then because everybody's using Teams? No, no, no. I'm I'm changing myself to become a Viva consultant now. But that's about Teams. 
and other things, goals and topics and the other five. Maybe? They're just applications of teams. So no, you're downgrading not. yourself. They're not. No, they're not. So, so how are you training yourself to be a Viva consultant? You're well, a VC. I'm a part of the Viva Explorers now. Oh, God, um, yeah. That was complicated. I had to do that too. <laughs> so how many Viva Explorer sessions have you been to? Uh, at least two. Two? Yes, yes. There was one on Monday Monday or last week. I can't remember. There was actually, and I was too busy to go. Um, doesn't matter. Um, but it's it's actually really good. It's it's fun hanging out with a bunch of these of people course. that know yeah. so much more than me. Um, There's but a lot also of those just, around, you know. Yeah, but also just planning and plotting of a bunch of things. So, <laughs> oh man, you missed that one, didn't yes, it? Went I right did. past you. Yes, it went right past you. Good. All right. Anyway, so, no, but seriously, focus focus on the on the two. So, should we have five rules for Viva baseline governance? I think so. Okay, I can I th- feel I think another module because this is on. this is baseline governance. We can do this for everything. This could be about buying a car. This could be about uh, rolling out goals. Two insights, biggest requirements for buying a car must have four wheels. Yes, and a steering wheel. Uh, and a steering wheel. So yeah. yes, okay, got that. That would narrow it down. <laughs> no, well, it's. <laughs> I mean, if if you have to drive from here, just outside of Brussels, to inside the center of Brussels every day, then that is that's a big requirement. That's what you need to have as a end result. That's true, and then so, that would also narrow down your choice of car. It must be able to drive eighteen kilometers. Yes. So now you had you now have this Fiat 500 electric, and that works very well to drive from here to the city of Brussels. But if you want to drive to the seaside and back, don't it remind me. Can't do that on a single charge. No, it can't. So that means let's go, let's go back to teams. That we're, means we're you're, in. you're losing yeah. it. Okay, you're losing it. No, I get it. I get it. And okay. Let's find out where it is. So. First rule was to focus on two of the biggest requirements, two things that will make the change. Yes. So a couple of examples in teams. Yeah. So your organization may be secure, so no external users on teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really good example as well. Uh, How do you want to deal with guest users? Absolutely. Uh, The other one might be uh, who can create a new team. Yes. Whether do we you want everyone to be able to create one? Do we want to set up some kind of provisioning thing? Uh, do they need to ask their manager? Stuff like that. Yep. So I think if you tackle those two uh, by the beginning of your rollout, I think you're set for a very first. So what we're talking about doing here is we're talking about opening up Teams by default as it is and making two changes in yeah. this particular case. Yeah. One is about external users, and the second one is about, in our case, who can create teams. Might be. Might be, yeah. So you turn those off in this case, or um, you set them up. Might be. It, it might be that your, um, your requirement now is to turn those off, but in a later stage, you might want to open it up. Yeah, but they're just two requirements, and we don't yeah. have to think too far. It's a quick decision. It's a quick thing that people can agree with and everything else. What if it was OneDrive? What if it was OneDrive? Just, well, to, just to choose a different example. Like. Yeah. So it's it's all about 
coming up with the with the biggest questions that you need to ask yourself. So for OneDrive, I would say, do you want to users to be able to share with anyone? Do you want to have the anyone link enabled? Yes or no? Yeah. Or only people within the organization, but you've got to work out what yeah, those findings are. Exactly. That's true. I yeah. get that. The other one might be about do I want to be able to do offline sync on every device? On, on a non managed device, yeah, for example. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's a very simple thing to say, but it's a very difficult thing to deliver. It's oh, a, yeah. It's, it's a little bit like, yeah. it's a little bit like uh, creating sites. You've got to go and turn it off in so many different places. Mm-hmm. To, to actually deliver it. But that's okay. It's about defining the baseline governance that you can work against. Yes. All right. So that was well, focus the, on two the, of the, the biggest whole, requirements. The whole idea, so the biggest thing about why, we, why would you do baseline governance, it's all about, as you always say, deliver value to the organization as yes, fast quickly, as you can. as possible. So instead yeah. of doing six months of governance work, you just want to do this in one week or two weeks and then give it to the people and then redefine or refine adjust moving adjust forward later on exactly now, so we're going to talk about that a little bit later on on how you kind of sit there do it in small pieces yeah so, so focus on the two biggest requirements that's rule number one yep now then the second one we thought was a very very cool idea but the more I see this question we wrote down, I think the more we need to change it. But we'll go with it for tonight. But what are the two things that I want to avoid? Yeah. Because the way that question is phased is that you could end up with... A, I don't a want long to describe list. this. <laughs> uh, you could end up with a long list, but mm-hmm. the implications of only choosing two of them might actually make this a difficult choice. Not a simple choice. So mm-hmm. we, we actually have uh, talking about team sprawl here. All right. Yeah. So yeah. the implication is that team sprawl has already been resolved if we're not going to allow them to create their own room. So you kind of got to need to make sure here with that you're not just mm-hmm. doing the, yeah. the antipathy. Yeah, but the I think the rule number one where you want to focus on the two biggest requirements is more about enabling people Agreed. to be able to do something. I like that. Yeah, rule number right. two is what are the things that you want to avoid is to look at the risks and look at the complaints that everyone's going to give like, yeah, but what if they do this? Okay. Then those are the things that we now need to turn off. I think also with both of these things, you can present your governance to your steerco in a very simple and easy way and saying, guys, these are, these are what we're looking to do. Uh, And we can do this quickly. In fact, we'll have it done in the next kind of sprint period or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, And we'll get that set up. So there was a few others. So information leakage, so we yeah. want to set up some DLP policies around this mm-hmm. um, and um, basically make sure that uh, that's the case. Again, it, it kind of relates to the external sharing and stuff, um, but it also kind of relates to um, sort of... Uh, so it's different thing with external sharing or taking external guests or getting that guest management, but also sharing things, uh, again, openly. Yeah. Uh, it's the kind of thing you're dealing with. And it, it also puts your sticker at ease that you're actually securing the data to start off with. We're not going mm-hmm. to spend, as you say, five days working with security to identify what the policies are and all that kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Th- that could be a thing that you might do later, but if you want to start, hit the ground running, then I think that might be a very good uh, thing to do first. 
And the other thing is that there are stacks of things in this area that you can think of. So, you know, uh, share channels, private channels, normal channels, decisions. Yeah. So whether or not you do private channels or don't do private channels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, applications, turn them all off. Yeah. Boom. Connectors. Um, connectors, yeah. turn them all off. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, subtleties, uh, all applications off except the ones from Microsoft. For, for example. example. Yeah. So there's a, there's a number of things there in both of these areas that you could identify mm-hmm. and, um, and not have to talk about, but um, at well, least it's, it's easy and simple. Before we were recording, you also gave me an example of somebody in one of, at one of your customers saying, I don't want everyone to have Excel, for example. <laughs> yes, it was so a slightly that, extreme mm-hmm. as a way of controlling the spread of Excel spreadsheets. Well, we'll stop people opening Excels. Um, yeah. I don't ask you how you would do that. Me neither. But anyway, that that GPO. might be that GPO might policy. You wouldn't. You would stop the .xlsx extensions being opened on the machine. For example, go. yeah. So it it might be if if that is a risk that everyone is going to create spreadsheets, then that might be a thing that you want to tackle in your baseline governance. All right, so those are those are kind of restrictions, really, are in, in terms of uh, where you're going, and also giving you things that you can focus on, which is really, really good news. Mm-hmm. Um, um, all right, so the next rule is about defining and creating the roadmap. Yes, and I think that is a, that's the one of the biggest things that you need to do when you talk about baseline governance, because we've been. When we were explaining baseline governance in the previous episodes, we just said, okay, focus on the two biggest requirements and done. Well, it's not done. You actually have so many things that you need to think about. And you do need to think about those things, but you don't need to think about those things per se at the start of your journey. No, but you need to think about what the list might include because what will happen mm-hmm. is you will get people saying, oh, I used to have MS Teams at my old place and we were able to do this and this and this or we were able to use this and this and this. Exactly. And so if you have that roadmap defined, then um, you're basically showing people, look, this is what you will actually get. Mm-hmm. And, and it can be because they're small things, you can do it in iterations. So you can say, if you're an agile organization, in this sprint, we're going to roll this out. In this sprint, we're going to roll that out. In this sprint, we're going to do this. And it's constantly moving Mm -hmm. where you're going. And you're then getting used to the fact for the organization that things are going to change. There's a constant change happening, yes. Constant change. And that will help you do communication and awareness and change management and your adoption. Uh, But it also allows you to not have to do everything in advance and give yourself a timeline of when do we want to think about these things? When do we want to have security involved? Yeah, I agree. When do we want to have Steerco involved? I'm excited, sorry. Sorry. I don't mean to. Go, go, go. What's cool is that within that that iteration, you know exactly what you need to deliver and you don't need to overthink anything. So these are the documentations we're going to send out. This is the communication that goes with it. Um, and so you don't need to do 17 communications and, and a newsletter and a magazine that takes planning and stuff. You can yeah. just go, this is what we're going to do. You were quoting a bank where, you know, whenever they roll anything new out, they have a predefined model for communicating. Yes. Yammer and email and everything else. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah. So this roadmap allows you to define when you need to think about what, when you need to have discussions with specific groups. 
It also gives you vis or gives the, the rest of the organization visibility in uh, when certain functionality is coming. So if you have, like your example, somebody saying, yeah, but at my previous company, we used to have Planner, for example, yeah. and we don't have it right now. No, but we have it on the roadmap for September. Yeah. So from September on, we will be rolling it out. And, and with small iterations, you've got a high chance of meeting that requirement. Yes, exactly. It's, it's agile and scrum and sprints Absolutely. all over again. Just take bite-sized things, and then that's, that's the best way to eat the elephant. That is true. Do you know how do you get, how do you get four elephants into a mini? <laughs> Tell me. Two in the front, two in the back. <laughs> okay. Do you know how to get four kangaroos into a mini? Two in the front and two in the back? No, no there's no room. There's four elephants in there. <laughs> so you can take that home for your daughter. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's going to be one of those podcasts. Oh, I so love that. I love that. I, I now want to argue about what we've just said for our number three, because I think this is important. So we've talked about the fact that we're going to do iterative change. Yeah. And we're implying that there's going to be a change every month. Okay. Or every sprint or, or every whatever. Sprint. Yeah. So, so, sorry, you're right. Every, yeah. every sprint period. But let's assume two weeks or three weeks. But I advise you to have a break. So uh, for several reasons. First of all, people won't necessarily need that change that mm -hmm. you've talked about. Yeah. So they don't even read the email. And then three weeks down the line, they suddenly find that they need it. And then there's no training. They've got to go looking for stuff and things like mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And if you're constantly changing things, you don't ever get to paint a picture about what that change or, or where you are within the organization or where you are in the adoption planning. I know we're going to talk about that in a moment or two. But if you get to the point where you say, okay, you know, we'll do eight, eight sprints or four sprints and then we'll take a couple of sprints off. And in those two sprints, we'll recap what we've done and we'll get a status and we potentially will do some other kinds of tasks, which we'll talk about later. But so don't anticipate that you need to put, don't be driven by the, the thought that you need to constantly change or tell people about stuff. You don't need to stop it. So if something's being rolled out that's new, you don't need to stop it, but you don't necessarily need to tell everybody about it either. Yep. You know, you can control where you're at. So you like, uh, like today, um, no, well, it was today or yesterday, um, I noticed that MS Teams have now got the new layout. Because the I'm teams on, meetings, yeah, the uh, teams yeah, meeting stuff, the, and new the, ad, bar, yeah. the, adman, the advanced uh, recognition, because it's not really due out till February. Uh, and I was showing a few people, hey, this is what I'm going to Oh, can I have that? Well, no, you actually can't have that yet, but you will be into this, what you'll see coming soon. It's actually really good. I quite like it a lot, a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, easier to manage and stuff and everybody I love that the, the race hand feature is now it's just now separated. a button. So you Simplest don't need things. to have like five clicks to raise your hand and, yeah. and the thing that i look about it i think why the hell didn't they do this the first time around? exactly yeah but there you go but they don't know hindsight 2020 no exactly and my point of bringing this up is that you they don't know what features will be really popular and what won't because mm -hmm. microsoft don't do all of that forward planning as much as they used to do about which ones 
verse, but they kind of roll this stuff out based upon what they think. But they, they're never right because there's so much variety in the world. So this way they yeah. can get feedback about which ones have worked and which ones haven't and, and whether it was a good thing and they learn from it that way. Mm-hmm. And that's important. But do a, do a number of changes and then stop and then do a recap sessions with people in terms of your communications or even just give everybody a break. Yeah. You know? Or do some changes that are in the background that end, end users are not involved in. Things that might be, yeah, somewhere in the back end. changes or uh, adjusting some of the more complicated stuff. Yeah, Roll do something in AAD or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I suppose that's another subject we all we should think about at some stage to talk about is the whole testing process and mm-hmm. the, um, uh, and how that should pan out. But, exactly. but there you go. Yeah. So, so but, yes, even though you're doing things in small anticipations, have an end state so you can kind of do a review. You can... You know, we'll talk about um, assessing the value on it in a little while, but that might be an ideal opportunity to do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you governance is steering your organization towards a, an end goal yep. or steering your application towards an end goal that delivers value to the organization. And you need to test that. Yep. So that's definitely something we are going to talk about. But... Having that roadmap gives you a um, a planning to work towards against. It gives your users uh, an idea of what is coming when. Yeah. Um, and it yeah it sets anticipation, drives the desire as well. Yeah. When we're and talking to, about to quote Adcar. our Caroline, broad timelines. Give people an idea of what to expect. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So that is that's that's really good that you can that you can have that. So it gives you time to think, time to prepare, time to set everything up so you can deliver a successful exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Cool. So we talked about what you should focus on and what you should try to avoid. So you make sure that you've got those highlights of things you do want people to do to encourage and things that you want to hide and stop and we've got the idea of a roadmap so you've got a constant amount of change on a small iterations so you can manage the item level training and communications and release um, but then also think about the fact that hey i'll have a gap and a break here so that you can uh, advertise other kinds of things and also um, you can then ensure you have a sort of adoption and change strategy, which is item number four. Well, just one more thing about roadmap. And I just thought I'd nicely rounded it up. You did, you did. But But. as you were talking about it, I remember one thing. So uh, one of my customers, a big international organization, um, and they went from working in Citrix to working on their local device with M365. Yeah. we were not going to move all the 60,000 people over in one go. It was not a big bang rollout. So we did it location by location. And it took us about four months to have everyone rolled over and into M365. Now, that was the big change. To, For example, give everyone OneDrive. So that took four months. Now everybody has OneDrive. So they're now all on the same level and now all the extra roadmap things that we're going to deliver we can now do that for everyone 
Yes, so you've aligned everybody. Exactly, yes. So that's also uh, very important. If you're handling like a big change or big migration, this gives you the opportunity to align everyone on the same starting point. So then you can start delivering those next changes on the roadmap uh, just for everyone. No, and I think that there's real value then in doing that iterative change because you can you can man- manage one change for 10,000 people or 50,000 people if it's a small change, whereas a significant upgrade to 50,000 people would require a significant amount of work. Yeah, And so you can probably do more over a two-month period by doing four or eight iterative announcements and changes than if you were trying to do you know eight changes in one go and then make sure they all um you know were able to sort of remember it the podcast that i've just released the the weed dram where it talks about communicating one thing at a time there's real value in that i i've got the company new year's eve party from one of my clients on saturday and it turned and i booked a hotel cleared close to the venue because i know that i'm not going to be driving back at two o'clock in the morning um but um, it turns out that there's discount rates for the hotels. But when the email turned up, I read that they were running bus routes around to get everybody in there. And I went, I don't need a bus. I stopped reading the rest of the email. And then I now turn out that there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's a timetable in there somewhere and there's anything else. And of course, people are the same. They don't read all the emails unless it's just me in the world. Is that what you think, guys? I don't know. I'm sure none of you read all the emails. But in this particular case, I could have got a discount code on a hotel. Um, But uh, I didn't do it because I just assumed. So yes, communicate one thing at a time. And that ensures that that message will get read and written. Good Mm -hmm. call. Yep. Good call, Marie. Yep. I like that. Yeah, 50,000 people, one thing at a time is better. Neat. Mm-hmm. My golden nugget, my man, a golden Good. nugget finally. from Marine. Finally, finally, finally. Good. Uh, all, right. all right, number four. Rule number four is have an adoption and change uh, strategy. Why would you not? Because still so many things get rolled out without proper... Yeah, we, we've, we've just wrote it literally on there, of course. But what we actually mean is have a that adoption and change strategy based around the small governance and the small changes. In fact, we kind of led into this, really, when we were talking about you know how to deal with 50,000 people in an mm-hmm. easy, simple way. Yeah, yeah, because so, yes. now, now you can do that one change at a time. Yeah, so maybe that needs to be read is align your adoption and change strategy to you know your roadmap or to that baseline governance yeah exactly specifically specifically well we covered one change at a time that's fine gets you to do i suppose we've already done it really isn't it training in a single session there we go one of the rules you're thinking you're looking yes learning to read or trying to decipher your handwriting (laughs) both no, but absolutely. So, um, yeah, try to not make a training session a full day of training. Try to. Well, you don't need to, do you? No. That's the whole point. I think exactly. that, in fact, you don't even need to do a training session. My guess is using a blog and a video will get all the information out that you need mm-hmm. because it's one change. So you can just work out the advantages of that change to people, where the value is for that change, the fact that it's in this particular scenario. So when you're in a meeting, you can now raise your hand straight from the top menu 
making it easy to do and good meeting policy is not to interrupt other people but to raise your hand and if you're a meeting organizer then advise people at the beginning of the meeting that if they need to say anything and it's a it's a conversation that is you know um, heated with lots of people making thoughts raise your hand and I promise you as team meeting leader I will call you if you buy me drinks tonight at the bar exactly so yes. i think that uh, that and that's just a simple video it's a simple blog item um, yeah so and, one uh, of one of do. my customers has an, an infograph that they run every week and an they infograph just, uh, yeah just uh, like a, a, a one picture that they post with some text oh, on. okay yeah. yeah so one very simple visual cue that says hey this is the modern workplace team and this is our tip of the week Let's Tip say. of the week. Yeah, and it, it always has the same layout. It looks very cool, very brief. Um, and they know what it is, yeah? They can align with it yeah. when it arrives. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I love those. Also, the, the, the two people that are doing these, they are just brilliant people, and I, I love how they deliver such value in such a small image. I love that. Yeah. it is a skill i have to say yeah identify the point know what the point is and then turn that into a, a simple uh, focused message simplicity is key definitely when you're doing baseline governance absolutely that's yeah. the whole point really yeah exactly all right and then our final topic which basically means we'll be getting onto the whiskey reasonably early uh so it'll be a shorter podcast making up for all those one hour and ten minute ones we've been doing okay okay Unless we end up talking about this forever and ever and ever. We might. I think we should be more focused in our speech and put more air between our words and then we will get to a one-hour podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. You've lost a sense of humor today, no, haven't you? No, 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 no. If no. I'm not talking about elephants or kangaroos, you don't think it's funny. <laughs> All right. Oh, so a few weeks ago, my daughter had this really brilliant knock uh, knock joke. Knock knock joke. Yes. Okay. Knock knock. No, I I need to say. Knock, knock. <laughs> I can't believe you. <laughs> oh man. Go. Knock knock. Who's there? Hawaii. Hawaii. Who? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, my daughter's going to freak out when she hears Here's that, that I on put the that on the podcast. Yes. Well done. So um, your daughter now needs to make sure she has a fresh joke for two weeks' time for next Tuesday. In English. In English, <laughs> yes. Yes. Hawaii who. Yes. Oh, nice. Good I one. That. Yes, not, I love Not as that. good as elephants and kangaroos. No. There you go. You have to translate that into Dutch and... Uh, Oh, but that, uh, that's no problem. That translates into an, any language. Of course it does. So we should ask ChatGPT how that would sound in Klingon, for example. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So um, a little... Um, Bit of a recap. Yes, recap. That's the word I was looking for. So the five rules for baseline governance. Rule number one, focus on the two biggest requirements. Rule number two, what are the two things that you really need to avoid... Rule number three, come up with a roadmap and communicate that. Rule number four, have an adoption and change strategy. And that brings us to rule number five, which is definitely a really important one as well. 
measure value, measure full stop actually and, and work out that you are moving forward and that people are actually making a change mm-hmm. um, and then uh, you know decide what the value is you're trying to achieve and that's what you're trying to measure. It was interesting, I had um, uh, on Monday, uh, I handed over to a new project manager this last few weeks for mm-hmm. the Microsoft 365 project and um, I went into the ambassadors meeting to kind of do a intro and, and a talk about what we've done and over to the new guy who actually makes me feel rather small this guy's done double marathons through brazil he's actually got a belgium television program on it where he did 54 miles or whatever and they, and they're all the training with all the snakes and stuff they had to do because they were literally running through the jungle and here's me going i've done nothing like that in my life he's walked across the antarctic you know he's what <laughs> yeah no so you look at it this thing is amazing this guy's had an amazing does he have time uh, to run an m365 project i have no idea i'll tell you in a year's time however i had the ambassadors there and i was basically talking what we'd done last year and the idea was hey it's a new year spring is on the way and new changes and stuff so i've asked them basically okay so what collaboration stuff are you doing then so are you doing I can't remember what it is. Are you using whiteboards in meetings? How many people have used a whiteboard in meeting? Zip. And I'm going, oh, Christ, you know, I'm gonna, this is going to be a bit negative. But then I said, so how many have shared documents from their uh, Teams or OneDrive? Lots of hands going up. I thought, yes, we're getting there. How many people have actually worked on the same document together with somebody else at the same time? Hands went up. Yes. And it struck me that... As part of this measurement for your adoption and change, unless you ask them which bits of collaboration they are using and they're using most often, you have no idea what your next level of training is going to be, point one. And point two, obviously, this is focused around content, so not around meetings. So therefore, you can take your next iterations and go, okay, well, maybe instead of doing a document thing and a meeting thing and a chat thing and a, and keep them all low level, I can do four of them on managing or sharing content and then increase the level of, you know, training or de- the depth of, of um, what am I looking for here? The, the uh, level of knowledge, you'll increase the level of knowledge in one area because that's an area that everybody's working on and using. Yeah, you could say February is enhance your meetings month. If your organization example. is yeah. doing meetings, but unless you measure and find out which people are using and which ones, that, then you won't actually know where to put your focus. Yeah. So it was an interesting bit of feedback, and of course that meant that I could say to the program manager, there you go, so that's your area that you need to work on. Either the shit they're not doing, <laughs> or expand the shit they are doing. Yeah. Your choice. But it was quite Absolutely. an interesting one. It was just a simple question with the ambassadors to work out where they were yeah. at. And and that is one of the things that we wrote on the board as well. So definitely talk with your champions, your ambassadors. Correct. Get their feedback uh, but yeah, don't forget the rest of the organization, of course. So uh, yeah, you can do that in lots of ways. So there are a number of reports that you can see, like yes. how many product, uh, like the productivity score, your collaboration score, score um, as it's now called. Yeah, yeah, um, I and mean, that was interesting because I was able to point back to people and say, actually, those two things you're doing, doing those two things is actually one of those things that increase the collaboration score. Mm-hmm. Because doing one thing doesn't g- increase the collaboration score. But when one person has both shared a link 
and worked in real time on a document with somebody, then you get the points up there. So that also would give you some direction and measuring your value. Yeah. And we, we talked about measuring value before. We talked about looking at the tickets that are coming in, the yep. questions that people are asking, um, sending out a survey, um, asking people just like you did for your uh, champions. Yep. Um, so creating yeah. your frequently asked questions on yeah. different pages and then monitoring the page numbers so you can work out what's done, which you told Katya how to do. And eventually, but I have to say, she told me she called you. I spoke to Moraine because I needed a frequently asked questions. I went, Really? I says, Did he mention my name? He went, Yes, he did. He said, And this is what Steve does. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, brother. That's yes. funny. That was actually really funny because I got a. Uh, on Twitter, a direct message from um, a guy from the Netherlands asking me if I had some material ready to create an FAQ. And I said, no, I don't have anything ready, but I could make a video for my YouTube channel. And he said, um, yeah, it's actually a question from Katya. So I said, okay, here's my number. Let her call me. And then she calls me and, and Katya says, it's actually a question from Anouk. <laughs> so I said, okay. And then I explained the whole yeah, FAQ yeah, story. And then later on, I got a call from Anouk saying, I heard you got into contact with Marcel <laughs> that gave, got you into contact with Katya to answer my question. It's a very, very small world. Oh, it was funny. That was, that was funny. That was very funny. <laughs> it was just that Katya was on site on Monday. We went out drinking and eating in Brussels yesterday with the... Uh, with them as, a, as they moved on to obviously different project manager and stuff. And so it was funny. Also, you, dear listener, might be asking yourself, who the F is Katya yes. and Anouk? But I promise you that you will be hearing or seeing them more this year at various conferences. Oh, you will. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I was uh, telling them about Commsverse. MS Teams, go and get a carload and... Get yourself off to Commsverse if you wanted yeah. the, the team yeah. stuff. So, yes. yeah, they're 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 growing in the community as well. So, uh, mm. yeah. yeah, it's fun, but it, it is a bit of a small world we're in. There's no doubt about that. Oh, know, it's definitely you a small around world. And yeah, see all the different absolutely. kinds of people. So yeah. neat. All right, so we talked about measuring value, Ben. So the other important point about the measuring value, and it's another example of me asking questions, is it's the feedback loop that drives your future changes yeah. and drives your future improvements. And, and your so, roadmap as well. Correct, yes. Because if everyone is asking... order the different priorities, yeah. yes. If everyone's asking for something that you are not going to release in eight months, you might want to push that forward. No, no, that is cool. I can't read your handwriting though, so what's the third item on there? Surveys. Surveys. Yes, oh, we said we that, didn't we? about that, yeah. yeah. we talked about support. Well, it's cool. So there you go. There are a series of rules for baseline governance, which basically turns it into not just a theory from us, but hopefully some nice practical ways forward. And, you know, watch out for our governance workshop because we will digging down on these a lot, lot more as we start to look at governance. Not just baseline governance, but, of course, full-blown governance and document layouts and the kind of structure and approvals you need in the organization mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah the people you need out. to bribe in order yes. to get your uh, governance plan approved yes that mm -hmm. kind of thing the people yeah. you need to bribe just to 
bring you on board to do it. Oops. We will tell you out. what whiskey to buy for what kind yes. of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's neat. Well, that turned out to be quite well, considering it was just a bit of an exchange on WhatsApp sometime today and yesterday. Well, I was, I was in I like the gym it. working out and I was listening to another podcast about a guy who wrote a book um, with rules to rule by or something like that. And uh, I was actually on the, I was on a treadmill, so I just took my phone and I was WhatsApping you like, "Oh, we need to come up with five oh, rules for baseline it. governance." And uh, yeah, so I I think this is a really good, um, hmm, how do you call that? It's a good structure. Idea. Oh, okay, yeah, a good yeah. structure to um, if for people that want to start working with baseline governance. Uh, but I'm not sure how to start. Yeah, how to that's do the whole it, point. Um, how to even explain that to their management that they want to do this instead of writing a 40-page governance plan? No, it actually is better than that. Say, look, I can get MS Teams rolled out with the importance governance done in three weeks. Boom. Exactly. And uh, and it'll cost you this much money. And it's a pay rise. And I need a whole... And I'll make you look good. Yeah. So, rock star. Exactly. Whatever. Yes. So, so yes, it's good. And, so should and it's, should we rename that from baseline governance to rock star governance? I like it. Yes, five rules to become a rock star. Huh. <laughs> MS Teams rock star. Yeah, it could be. All righty, good. Then we won't be having too short a podcast by the time we have tasted this twenty-five-year-old. Mm. 25 year old yeah, Tom and Tom. So, exactly. Um, you may remember that we did the 16 year old. It's not there anymore. The bottle has mysteriously vanished. The 16 year old. I thought it was 17. That's why I just didn't. Uh, uh, no. I was double checking. So, yeah, the 16 year old Tom and Tom. So, we, and, we, uh, have a, we have a tasting kit. I a kit. bought a tasting a kit, kit. A pack. Uh, yes. From Tom and Tom. I think. 18 months ago, something like that. It's been stuck in my shelves for ages. Yes, because I thought, well, if we ever run out of whiskey to taste, then we have this tasting pack. We do. And the problem is that we haven't run out of whiskey for 18 months. So that's why, um, yeah, we can can just taste it because it just takes up. Uh, Did you want to take any back with you? No, I don't. You sure? I'm very sure. And your missus never listens to these podcasts anyway, does she? So, no, she won't know that well, we've drank this and not taken any back. Dear, dear girlfriend, Sorry, dear girlfriend, if you're listening to this, it we are we are doing a, a pre-selection of good whiskey so that I can only give you good whiskey. So if I've tasted it before, I can definitely say it's a good whiskey, and then we can get a bottle. Does she believe this bullshit that you spout most of never, the time? Never, <laughs> never, ever. Mm, nice nice um actually talking about catcher because she was telling me the other day that they went to the place you went to in uh, edinburgh for the whiskey thing so they did a tour they did a whiskey tasting at the is it the whiskey experience in edinburgh what's the place you went to for and you were drinking whiskey she told me about oh, the uh, malt society something like that yes yeah. the smws yeah. Scotch yeah. Malt Whiskey Society. Society or something. Yeah. Cool. All right. So what are we supposed to get? This is supposed to be complex. Yes. But not overly complex because it, it, it 
The tasting notes that we are reading said it's not very special. Well, it says complex nose filled with hints of apricot, yellow apple, honey, and menthol. What's a yellow apple? I was just thinking the same. I read this I earlier. Know but green I never apples and red apples. But uh, yeah, right as tears. Green apples, right as <gasps> tears. Mm. I, I keep looking at my bottle of that at the bottom of the cup. It's one of those that's got other bottles on top, so it never comes out. So yeah. it's going to have to get dragged out, that is. It has that kind of complexity. I tell you what is nice is it doesn't smell of sort of Japanese fruits, lychees, that kind of fruitiness. No, it's exactly. Yeah. For a, for a twenty five year old, it actually does have a more complexity than you would normally think. It absolutely does. It's not bad. It's it's not very sweet and fruity. No, but I do get those more, apples. Yeah, and so I do it's get kind those, of those apricots as well. The, yeah, it's like those apples that have been in the basket for about five days and they've gone a bit soft on the edge. <laughs> yeah, but nice it's, it's, nose. It's a, Very it's nice a, nose. It's a nice nose. Lovely colour. It has the colour of yellow apples. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would kind of put that down as a nice a sort of light amber. Yeah, it's not too dark, so... Probably no sherry cask, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. There's certainly nothing on the nose. No, exactly. It's not too sweet. It's not too fruity. No. It's more vegetable than fruity. Now, we're supposed to taste white bread, which would be cheaper than the whiskey on the palate. Uh, but also lime and mint. It's a bit like a mojito. Might be, yeah. yeah. Might uh, be. White bread, nutmeg and tannins. But yeah, it's an interesting set of tasting notes, this. Yeah, because I'm wondering how tannins taste, but we'll see. But I do see some nice tears forming when I swirl it around the glass. So it looks like it will have a decent amount of oil. And you have a thinking face. I do. Don't swallow it too soon. Swirl it around the tongue. Because then the lime comes out quite nicely. And it, it just comes, <laughs> it just doesn't it? It's quite amazing. Um, and, but the, the finish, it says sufficiently long. It is incredibly long and pleasing, flowing smoothly. So apparently you get muffin, you get muffed on the, the first taste. And I then the second taste salt. is spicy and delicate tannins. So you get a bit of what? Sorry, I missed salt. that. Salty, salty, yes, it is salty on the, on the uh, finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that lime is rather... Rather nice on the palate, weird. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's it's weird in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something I haven't really noticed in a whiskey before. Before, no. So I do get a little bit of that mint, that spice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of is definitely mojito-like. Hmm. Like, good, not so a, sweet, of in course. In a good way. Yeah. In a good way, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Let's. Go for a second one. Second sip. It's even better on the second taste. That that lime is there even... It's very interesting. I've never had lime in a whiskey before, but that is pretty cool. That is, is bloody good, in fact. It is. I think that's bloody good. Mm-hmm. You would think Tom that Intel, a 25-year-old would be more mellow and more correct. chill. Also, it... It's just 40% of alcohol, and I would have guessed that it would be more. I would have guessed it would be 46 or something. Maybe. I don't think it was as dark as that, so it's not got that kind of um, 
bitterness that comes with it. It's probably why it's not so. It's why it's fruitier because of its uh, size of because uh, mm -hmm. of its. Um, but yeah, I uh, think getting alcohol. a. I don't know if they do a cask strength of this, but I think that might be very interesting. I kind of don't mind the cask strength, but I really quite like the subtleties of uh, when you sign to bring it down. But it's nice, very good call, my friend. Very good call indeed. Now I'm. If my missus is still listening, now I'm obliged to buy one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. No, I, I first she's need to now look obliged up to surprise you with one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can uh, potentially I tell you that Yeah, if it you is have the, the second link on the... Uh, oh, mm, looking at the price, <laughs> maybe I'll leave it. Uh, maybe when I win the lottery at some day. £278 is the lowest online price. With the average price of £338 for the bottle. Oops. But I can see why. Yeah. This might be... So, my favorite... I've, I've got a, a, an online retailer that I buy most of my whiskeys from. And they do these amazing sales every now and again. So, you keep and, an eye uh, out for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep an eye out because they might do a €50 Euro reduction or something. I mm, I wonder if that site would also allow me to create some kind of wish list. And oh. that would send me an email if one of the whiskeys on my wish list is on sale. That would be brilliant. Well, I'm trying to sit there and search for Tumming Tool. Have I spoken mm -hmm. correctly? And I get football boots and T-shirts, but no whiskey if I try and do shopping. Very strange. You go back to all. Did all and then of that. Do take the second link. The second link, that one there. That's that the one you get all of your uh, drinks from. There you go. It's a good one to buy it from there. It's only uh, 345 euros. euros. Wow. But if they do a, a sale, sign me up. Yeah. Uh, to, to be fair, I do understand the value of it. Uh, you know, in terms of a whiskey, I, I can still taste it now. It yeah. It's still sitting there. Um, and I'm enjoying it, which basically means I will drink it slower. Because if it's got a nice finish of whiskey, I will enjoy that True. And, and not drink it as quickly. So so I'm just convincing myself this is good value for money. Don't <laughs> <worry>. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a bit of mental coming up in, in the long aftertaste, yeah. like a minute it's after good. you tasted it. There's some minty flavors coming in. Hmm. I managed to find um, talking. So having finished that whiskey, but I managed to find a 22-year-old Connemara online, um, and I'm thinking it's such a long time since we've tasted that. Yes. So I said, "Hey, it's my birthday soon." So I sent the link off to the missus, and uh, but it was only just over a hundred euros. I mean, okay. many sites were like yeah. two hundred, three hundred euros because yeah. it's very rare now. But yeah, so I, so I'm going. Look, there you go. Get in there quick. But whether she does, she apparently says that I'm obsessed with whiskey. Well, it's our job. Well, that's it's what I told It's our professional curiosity. I said, is this a bad thing? Yeah. It's what we do to please our listeners. <laughs> we have to. We because did. Because we do talk about whiskeys that people haven't tasted, tasted before. before. Or I was, would be difficult to find. I was listening to a, um, a, a, a Dutch podcast earlier this week. And it's, it's a new podcast. And it's two guys talking about stock market. 
Okay. And they always have a bottle of whiskey on the table. And they started their episode, what kind of whiskey do we have on the table? Well, we've got a Glenfiddich 12. And I was thinking, oh, really? Oh, Can't no. Can't you do any better? Come on, guys. But that's because we've become whiskey snobs. Yes. When I go to the shop now, I, I went out last night with, with uh, told you I went out last night with the, mm-hmm. with the crew. And... Um, the first store we went into, I actually had a beer, but I was looking up at the whiskey and thinking, oh, they've got a Glencoin there. That's an oh, unusual one, yeah. a rare one. And they also had a, a nice Lafrague, which was titling my taste buds. But I just had a beer in the end. Uh, and then, of course, we get to the next place, and all they've got is kind of um, bullet, you know, bourbon and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was a bit of a missed opportunity there. Mm. Have, you, um, have you been to the uh, Delarium Bar in Brussels. I have not. We really, really should okay. go there. It's a real dive. Mm-hmm. We're talking about split woods and, and stools. Mm-hmm. But you go to the bar and it's dusty as hell, but there's 800 bottles of whiskey in there. Really? Oh, it's colossal. It's Whoa. everywhere you look, there's shelves off them. And the people behind the bar are just into it. So I, I went in there with a bunch of people. I couldn't walk out. Actually, I seriously could not walk out. <laughs> All right. Silver phoned me up and, and went, and I picked the phone up and went and realized I couldn't speak. Oh, yeah. It's kind of, yeah, it was, one of, it was just one of those nights. <laughs> but. But um, I remember when going in there and everybody said, okay, Steve, you're the whiskey expert. So they had Connemara there. I said, you know, good start, nice and smooth for people. Eight shots of Connemara. Shots, yeah, just eight shots of Connemara. And then they went, I've never tasted this before. I then ended up with a conversation with the guys behind the bar and they tasted it and we had a, had a whiskey conversation. It was, yeah, yeah really good. Oh, nice. But it's, don't go in the summer. It's, it's the place where everybody is very touristic. Okay. And they've got an absinthe bar and a beer bar and a whiskey bar. Oh, nice. Um, but the whiskey bar is uh, rough and ready, but probably the largest selection of whiskey in in, uh, in Brussels. So we must do that. Nice. Set an appointment. Yes, 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 yes. Um, we'll do that. All right. Then I think we've talked more about whiskey because we had more time. But this has been a cool podcast. I think so. Actually, when I was on that treadmill, I thought we are going to talk the baseline governance is going to be our topic for, for this the year. year. Or governance is well, going governance to be our topic because be the baseline topic is just the starting point. Exactly. Um, so I thought when we were doing the ADCAR uh, stuff about adoption. ADCAR? What's ADCAR? <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember the five letters, what they stand oh, for? Oh, okay. That's a really good oh. challenge. Um, awareness, yes. desire. yes knowledge yes. the one that i always want to say is analysis and that's not right don't go there um and um uh review not review reiteration no not reiteration no i can't ability <laughs> and reinforcement ability. yes ability. so close so close so close but the thing is with atkar the people at broski they've already defined that model correct there's not a model for baseline governance. Not yet. Not yet. So that's what we are building here. We are, folks. You hear and it here this, first. I think this is going to be a very important chapter in the book that we're writing. I think or it is. might be writing. I think it is. No, no might. Yeah. No, you are writing a book. Yes. So, dear ghostwriter, if you <laughs> read this, uh, hear this... Uh, Put this on the... No, uh, I think so. And I think it, when I wrote this ad, there were tests to say, hey, I'm going to do this in baseline governance. And there were tests that you could apply to it that were around these things yeah. to, to make sure that it was the right thing to do in that iteration. It was 
baseline governance and, and yeah. not uh, but I think it. I think that is super important because that's what we did for our at car sessions as well so I'm already every having the model in my mind about what people will fill out for this session I can feel it already exactly yeah. me as well but for, for every stage of the at car process we said okay how do you know you're ready how do yes. you know when you can go to the next step you need to test this and that's wh where your tests are coming in in this model so yeah. how do you know that these are your biggest requirements oh this is how cool do you know that exciting. these are the things that you need to avoid yeah i Stuff agree like entirely. That. that's yeah. good news all right so there you go just a very very last recap because we're so excited by these things in reverse order this time make sure that you measure things so that you understand that your adoption and change is right your adoption and change won't be ready until you understand what the roadmap is like so that you can refer to what's coming around the corner whilst you're also getting people to understand what they need to change this time so that you're already setting that desire for the next release or the next upgrade so that roadmap then obviously needs to be focused on uh, the things that you uh, want to anticipate and the things that people will need and each should be increasing value imagine by the time you've done eight sessions you've got people changed in, in, in you've moved them along really really very very quickly and then you need to think about what you want to avoid so things that you don't want to happen people talk about team sprawl Moraine and I have different opinions I, I don't care about sprawl I like to make sure there's some technical governance that controls it after the match but then the most important one really is what change what functionality are you going to focus on so what are your biggest requirements so that you can define what settings within teams you need to enable to put those uh, inquiries those requirements against and on that note i'm just going to say steve dolby is signing out this is uh, episode 105 from Office 365 Distilled. It's the first time we've mentioned the podcast name tonight. Yeah. Yeah, we should make sure we have a welcome to Office 365 Distilled, episode 105, yeah. at the beginning somewhere. It's funny because other podcasts, they're at their 70th episode and they always start off their episode with, Hi, I'm this guy. And I'm the beard of this episode, and I am the the hat of this uh, oh, thing. And, and, and I'm yeah. the princess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then there there are episode seventy or something, and every episode they take a few moments to introduce themselves. And we and are we so our ego just assumes everybody knows who we are. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but we love that podcast. We should say yes. Yeah, I was well actually done, listening to it on my way over <laughs> here, and yes, always so much value. In All right. Well, I'm going to say goodbye. So it's, it's bye from Steve, and I will hand over to Moraine to decide how he wants to finish off this podcast. So bye from me. Um, good podcast, good value, great whiskey. Might be on the slightly more expensive side, but still good stuff. And with that, I want to say thank you and talk to you very soon. Bye.